You guys say hi to Corbin. It's my son. I love him. Hey, uh, I'm so glad to worship with you guys today. Uh, I hope, hope you're doing well. Uh, although I know there might be some heavy hearts, I'm thankful for the leadership of our church. I'm thankful that, that Pastor Rick, you know, the big screen is one of the most powerful series that we do every year. It is awesome how the Spirit of God helps us to communicate through these movies, biblical principles, and man, lives are touched. It's amazing, but you know, I'm thankful to have Spirit-led leadership, and and I'm thankful that that when something happens that is obviously impacting a lot of people and, and causing concern and questions and, and thoughts and feelings and emotions that that may not necessarily be lining up with God's will and His Word, that, that we can adjust. And so that's what we're doing today. And, and, uh, and I don't know exactly what it all is going to look like. We have a plan, but we're also just going to let God try to speak to us. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. And I, I'm excited. Def, God has definitely put some things in my heart uh, to share with you. We're going to get to that in just a second. But... But we're going we're gonna to greet each other first. And this is what I would say. I'm thankful to be a part of a relational church. And, and that sounds even kind of weird to even say because you'd think, well, churches should, be, you should have relationships in church. But I'm sure a lot of us can probably mention some times in our life and experiences in church where it didn't feel very relational. Uh, but we are a relational church. So if you don't like people and you don't like real and genuine relationships, you're going to hate this church. Uh, you, you're going to want to find a different church. But, but I think it's the reason why it's so important that, that we are that way is because of the times that we're living in. We need genuine and authentic relationships right now more than we ever have before. Buddy, if you drop that, it's going to be a rough service for Daddy. <laughs> and... Uh, and so I, I, I would encourage you to invest and be open to genuine relationships. And so, so we're going to greet each other. And if you don't know how to do that, let me help you. Just stick your hand out and then shake someone's hand. And, and, and then just say, my name's James. What's your name? And if that's all you can do, then just go sit down after that. And that's fine. But do that with a couple of people. And, uh, and come on, let's be a relational church here for, for a minute or so, and then, and then we'll get started. Go ahead. Come on, fellowship a little bit. Kissing the shadows scattering Went through the clouds of piercing light And then I saw you shine, shine, shine like the sun You're waking us to life, you've only begun All right. Love worshiping with you guys. Uh, I love to worship. I, I'm, I'm not a, a worship leader for sure. Uh, 
Ethan is probably not going to call me anytime soon, ask me to help sing backup or anything like that. And I'm, I'm one of those loud singers, okay? Um, I'd encourage you to find somebody that's a friend that you can trust and ask them if you're a loud singer. Uh, because you may not know you're a loud singer. It can be tough being around loud singers because loud singers sometimes think that they can sing better than they actually can, and, uh, and it can be distracting. But, but one of my favorite things to do is just to stop singing and worship and, and to hear you worship. And uh, I love that. I love, that's one of my favorite things about sitting in the front row is I get to hear you worship. In those songs, the last one, you know, Jesus, there's no greater name. There's no greater name. Look, our, our country is a mess, but, but it doesn't matter who gets elected next. They're not going to fix the problem. The hope is not in a name. The hope is not in the name Trump, Hillary, Republican, Democratic. Hope is not in that. Hope is in Jesus Christ. That's the only place hope is going to come. And so, so as I'm sharing this message, I think it's important uh, that you know that it's coming from a place of, of teachability. It's not coming from a place of, I figured this out. It's coming from a place of, I know that I'm learning this with you. And I want you to know that I love you. Um, and some of you, you just barely even started coming to church here, and, and so that may sound weird to you, and you may not be convinced yet, and that's fine. We're going to do our best that we can to convince you that we love you. But I love the body of Christ, and I love our family here. As I looked at all the craziness that happened this last week, I, I was thankful from the standpoint of things became clear to me. The hurt of the world became more clear to me, I would also say, unfortunately, the ignorance of the church became more clear to me. The, the, the failure um, in, 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 in some respects, not all across the board, but in some respects, the failure of the body of Christ and how we are responding. I saw the anger, the hurt, and the frustration, this escalating conflict and animosity between races of people between and toward authority and and uh, if you ask what the solution is, I want to tell you, I don't know. And I'm not going to be stupid enough to try to act like I know what the answer is, but I know where to find the answer. Uh, and I think it's really important to go to the Word of God when, when things like what is happening is happening around us. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start in Matthew 28, verse 18. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, everybody say all. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. It's important to know that Jesus has all authority. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is not surprised. He is still in control of everything. He has all authority on heaven and on earth. And because of that, we have to have the confidence to continue to do our job. Because we were given a job. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the thing. We can say Jesus is the answer. We can say Jesus is on the throne. And that will always be true, no matter what. 
But the only way that Jesus can work in us and through us is if our hearts and our actions line up with his character. You can say Jesus is on the throne all day long, but if your heart and your actions are not lining up with how he lived and how he loved and what he did, then they are just words. And we want to be people and we want to be his body that he is working through. Amen? But we got to work on our hearts. It starts there. God is trying to do something powerful and unique through his church. That is clear to me. The problem is our flesh keeps getting in the way. And literally, sometimes our skin keeps getting in the way of what he's trying to do. The Great Commission can never be understood in what was meant to be if there's racism. Because the Great Commission, in, these, in this scripture, it's very clearly completely against racism. The word nations is the Greek word ethnos. It means literally different ethnic groups, groups of people, different races of people. In order to reach the nations, we have to have a heart that is completely open to people that are completely different than us. That look different. Talk different. Live different. We have to be open to that. We shouldn't be surprised that everything that's happening around us is happening. Don't, don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. They're lost. They're lost. Okay, we don't, don't freak out about it. <laughs> Let's respond. Let's respond. The word says that this is going to happen. In Matthew 24, it says, and there will be many that will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Hello? We seeing any of that? Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And when, when it's talking about that, it's certainly talking about people with bad theology in churches. It's also just talking about any person that's coming along and saying that violence and all these types of things is somehow the will of God. That's, it's just false. It's wrong. It's off. It goes on to say, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Man, I think that's, that's what we have to look at. It's like, how do we avoid being counted in the many? That our love would somehow grow cold. To the things of God, and certainly to the people that need his, his love. Like, how do we stay away from that place? Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive, forgive their sin and I will heal their land. How can the church help the wounds of America? Well, it's conditional because it starts with an if. 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 There are some great promises in the scripture but there's a premise to the promises. So we have to address the premise first. The first thing is this, I think. God will heal us if we pray. Now, before you just like check out because you're like, yeah, 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 we got to pray. Are we praying? Are we really praying? I know I'm not always. 
Here's what I do know. I know that if you are struggling with something or with someone, they are the person you need to be praying the most for. And not against, but for. For them. And you have to pray in unity. We cannot effectively pray as the body of Christ if we aren't unified in our prayer. We have to be unified in our prayer. Look, I don't... I hope that you are not delusional to think that when you get to heaven, you're going to be the only race there. There's a couple things you can guarantee about heaven. First of all, it's going to be crowded in Jesus' name. Second of all, there are going to be a lot of people that don't look anything like you. But if you are a racist... First of all, you're definitely going to want to find a different church. You're going to hate it here. But if you are a racist and somehow, and I don't even know how it could happen, but if you are a white person and you are a racist and you somehow make it into heaven, you're going to have a neighbor. And my prayer is that your neighbor is a black brother that plays rap music as loud as he can from now until eternity. That would be my prayer. And if you're a black person, or Hispanic person, or any other ethnicity, and you are racist, my prayer would be that your neighbor is the Duggars from now until eternity. (laughs) That all them white people are running all up in your yard, knocking on your door. Because there's going to be a lot of people there. Get your heart right now. Prepare yourself for eternity. It says this in Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could even count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. This was John, the beloved, on the island of Patmos. And God is giving him these clear pictures of what heaven is going to be. That's what heaven's going to look like. We have to be unified in our prayer. Now, pray. I think it's important that we pray for those in authority around us. That we honor them. Look, the Bible says that there is no authority other than what has been established by God. So when you are bucking authority, you're not bucking them. You're bucking God. And honor has nothing to do with the character of the person. It has everything to do with the position they hold. Throughout the word, it's very clear. Paul said, you need to give honor where honor is due. Peter said, honor the emperor. Do you know who the emperor was at that time? His name was Nero. He was the most tyrannical emperor that ever lived or ruled in Rome. He was the the epitome of heathen. He was a homosexual. He would run through his garden at night, naked with his lover, his garden lit by the burning bodies of Christians. And Peter said, honor him. Honor him. Look, a police officer is not going to be perfect because they're human. They're going to be flawed. They're going to make mistakes, just like lots of people that are given power and authority like judges and presidents and pastors, they're going to make mistakes. 
They're going to sin. But we still need to honor them. And the toughest job in our country right now is a police officer. It's the toughest thing that anybody is doing right now. And here's the deal. I don't know what happened. And I don't know the motives of people's hearts. It's not my job to figure that out. It's my job to honor. It's my job to respect. I want to do that. If you're a law enforcement officer in this place, either currently or you have been, you've served in that capacity, would you raise your hand, please, in this place? Would you guys please stand up if you've been a law enforcement officer, military or otherwise? Come on, let's honor these people. Come on. We love you. We're thankful for you. Thank you. Thank you. I've got to encourage you to, to honor these, these men and these women. Support them. If you see a police, police officer, uh, maybe they're somewhere and they're sitting in their car, go over them. Go carefully. <laughs> Keep your hands out of your pockets and stuff like that. But walk up to them and just say, hey, I just want to thank you. I just want to, I appreciate you. You see them in a coffee shop, buy them a coffee. Buy them a donut. They love those things. Come on. <laughs> just, just show that you appreciate them. And even if you just see them, you're just in passing and driving around, just honk at them. Give them a thumbs up. It's a lot different than the finger they're used to seeing. <laughs> honor them. Appreciate them. We need to honor and pray for those in authority. No matter who they are, God will heal us if we'll pray. I would encourage you, let the anger, look, God doesn't say don't be angry. He just says don't be angry and sin. He says be angry, but don't sin. Let your anger be a trigger for prayer in your life and not posting. Let your anger be a trigger that gets you on your knees in prayer and not on a computer or a phone or on an email or in a gossip circle. Let your anger Bring prayer. Number two, God will heal us if we have humility. God will heal us if we have humility. If my people humble themselves, then I'll heal their land. Look, the source of all of our problems is pride. It all starts with pride. I saw so many people this week posting in what was clearly anger and pride. And even some in our church. And I consider getting up here and calling some of y'all out. I'm not going to do it. But I considered it. But it's crazy to me. It's almost like this. Somebody will they'll create this. They're sitting around. They're seeing this stuff. And you can just see it like they're stewing in this. And so they create this post. You know, they find some meme or some video or some statistic or some whatever. Or they come up with something on their own. And it's almost like they feel like as soon as they post that, it's going to heal the whole world. Like they're the Messiah. The world needs to know how wise I am. But what you prove is the opposite. I know this is punchy. Sorry, not sorry. We've got to stop and humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves before each other. Look, I had lots of thoughts this last week that I know were not wrong. But as soon as I think I know everybody and I let everybody know that, I'm just as wrong as they are. And you can be so right, you're wrong. Because of your heart and the way that you do it. 
One of the places we need more humility now than ever is in the church. The most segregated place is not the streets. The most segregated place is the church. We've got to build bridges to other churches. We don't have to agree with all of our theology. We don't have to agree on all the non-essentials, but we have to agree on the essential things of Jesus Christ and His love and His forgiveness and His mercy. We have to agree on that. So I'd encourage you to do this. This is especially important with churches that may be different ethnic, uh, ethnically than you are. If you know of a church, maybe it's predominantly black or Hispanic or Asian, I'd encourage you to go by that church, go in there, find somebody, even if it's the secretary working at the desk, and say, hey, we just want, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you're doing here. I'm so thankful that you're a part of the body of Christ. I'm so thankful that he has woven us all together, that every part is important. And we can't do this without your parts. Thank you. Thank you. You need to humble yourself. If you have an issue with black people, maybe you need to go to our downtown Dream Center and serve a day and let God work on your heart. If you have an issue with authority right now, maybe you could set up to ride around in one of their cars for a day. I'll guarantee you that'll change your perspective on the things that they have to deal with. But look for these opportunities. Humble ourselves. Number three, God will heal us if we'll turn from our wicked ways. Not the world, the church. Look, the problem in the church is not the sin of the world, but the problem with the world is the sin of the church, and it's killing the world. We've got to get our hearts right here first. Repentance. Turning away from, it just simply means that you change your thoughts on stuff. It's, it's a paradigm shift. It's just changing the way that you see yourself and the way you see God and the way you see other peoples and the way you see your opinions. National repentance must begin with personal responsibility and repentance in me. It doesn't work any other way. It's got to start in the church. We have to repent first. We got to get this thing cleaned up. Otherwise, we're hypocritical. That's one of the things the world hates about the church. They use it as justification and excuse to not listen. It's not here. I'd encourage you to listen. I'd encourage you to listen. Look, if you're here and you're a believer, you really need to hear this because I feel like this is the thing that's been resonating in me the most. You've got to know where the fight is really happening. You've got to know where this fight is really happening. It says this in Ephesians 6.12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against the spirits of heavenly places. 2004 Athens Olympics, a marksman named Matt Emmons was winning his competition and shooting, shooting a rifle at targets. He was so far ahead that when he came to his last target and his last bullet, all he had to do was hit the target anywhere on the target, and he was going to win the gold medal. So he steps up to his last target, the last bullet he was ever going to shoot in that competition. He raises his rifle, squeezes off the shot, and hits the bullseye of the target. But the crowd gasped. As he lowered his rifle, he realized he had done what is called a crossfire he lined up on the wrong target and shot the wrong target. 
fell from first to eighth place. I feel like some of us, including myself, sometimes we're aiming at the wrong target. If you're aiming your anger, frustration, and punches at people, you will lose faith, hope, and you will begin to stop praying and believing. The moment you start aiming your anger, punches, and prayer at the spiritual realm and the real enemy that you're fighting against, that's the first time you're actually in the real fight. You don't get in the real fight until you see that you are never wrestling against skin. You're never wrestling against that. You're wrestling against the enemy. Let's do war where the war is really fought and won. Not in our flesh. And not against flesh. A couple days ago, as all this stuff was coming down, and we were starting to to discuss as pastors how we wanted to respond, and I was getting a lot of texts and questions, and I was trying to figure out, I was trying to get my spirit wrapped around what I wanted to say today, and at one point, Cody, my wife, she just came and asked me a really simple question. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal, but I snapped back. I just snapped back, gave her the answer. I knew I was in trouble immediately. <laughs> she gave me the look like, that was never good. I said, I'm bummed because I'm like, man, I don't, uh, it's the worst feeling in the world. And then she had to leave, so she's leaving. And this thing's unresolved, and I'm like, shoot, she's not going to want to kiss me now. I like kissing my wife, and so it took me way longer than it should ever take me, but I, I did. I, I text her, and I just say, baby, I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. I know that my, my issue and my frustration is not really with you. It's with the enemy, and I'm not interested in giving him an inch in our marriage, so I repent. I'm sorry. And then we were good after that. She saw me. She kissed me. I like that. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And as he committed to us the message of reconciliation. Look, reconciliation is it's not just some concept or idea or product that Christians sell. It is who we are. We are reconcilers. We reconcile people. We reconcile situations. We reconcile relationships. In Christ, that is who we are. And reconciliation begins when you walk in forgiveness song, that new song we sang today. I love the words in Christ before me, Christ behind me. I love that picture because it means that Christ is before you in his power, in his conviction, in, in his love, in his grace, but it also means he's covered behind you too. You cannot live in the past. You can't live in unforgiveness. God has called you to be a reconciler. It is a part of who he created you to be. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory 
that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's have eternal eyes. Let's close our eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to start with giving you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. If you're here today, you know you're away from God for whatever reason. You know that you need to get right with him. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him, or maybe you did, but you just got off track. You need to rededicate your life. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise that, but I want to know who I'm praying with. I want to agree with you in that prayer. So if you're here today and that's you, I want you just to put your hand up right now. I want to pray with you. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it back here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, there at the back. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Got it. Anybody else? Got it. Thanks over here at my right. Anybody else? Just need to get right with Jesus today. Thanks. I see you there at the back. Anybody else? Okay. Thanks. Got it. Thank you. I saw it. Anybody else? All right. Praise God. Every person, just raise your hand. What you need to do is just talk to God. It's called the sinner's prayer. But it's basically just an honest conversation of you saying that you realize you're a sinner. You need a Savior. So you just say this. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I, I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness, and I invite you to come and have complete control of my life as my Lord. And I thank you that as my Lord, you saved me from my sin. Thank you for that. Help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Lead me by your Holy Spirit and by your word and encourage me and strengthen me by the body of Christ. Be my Lord and Savior and my best friend. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask you all to stand up. We're gonna take communion today. I'm gonna ask everybody that's serving the elements, go ahead and come forward. I think this is one of the most appropriate things you can do when when you're trying to refocus and you're, you're trying to, to get back to a place where you are you're being the man or woman that God's called you to be and, and your function within the body of Christ is, is taking the elements signifying the body of Christ. You don't have to be a member here to take communion with us. But the word does say it's important for you to be a Christ follower. The way it says it is don't take it in an unworthy fashion. And, and at one point when it was talking about communion, it said the reason why you're still ill and sick is that you, you keep taking communion with the wrong heart. And that makes total sense because what this represents is the body of Christ, his, his sacrifice on the cross. And so that, rec- that represents his body that's broken so that our bodies can be whole and complete and our, our minds and, and everything about that, but also so that our sin can be forgiven. And, and when you... When you take communion in an unworthy fashion, it just means your heart is not totally submitted to what the elements represent in your life. You've, you've got something that you haven't let it cover. And that's why you're still messed up. So just reflect. Examine your heart. Examine your heart. I don't know what that looks like for you. 
Look, the hot, the hot button item this week has been racism. Look, I, I don't have a lot of personal context for that. I was not raised in a culture that was racist. A lot of it's because we just didn't have a lot of other races or ethnicities around us. I mean, we had some Hispanics, and there was one black kid in my school, and I was his friend. I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world that there were people that looked different than me. I just love that. But there have been times in my life when I have let my eyes and my opinion cause me to treat somebody differently than I would have treated someone else. And I know that that could exist in your heart. So maybe you say I'm not a racist, but if you are really honest, there have been times when you didn't love somebody or have grace for someone or show them the amount of respect and love that you should as a Christ follower because of how they looked because of the language they spoke, because of the tone of their skin. And those are the types of things God wants to work into your heart. And during this time of communion, is a great time for you to let him do that. I'm gonna pray. As soon as I'm gonna pray, um, just come out of your row on the left side. You'll, you'll circle around, get the elements. Go back to your seat, hold on to them. As soon as the row in front of you is in the aisle, you can go into the aisle behind them. Just stay in a place of reverence. Father God, I pray that you would move during this time. Spirit of the living God, examine our hearts. Show us anything that would cause us to, to do this right now in an unworthy fashion. We, we, we know that we're not perfect. And we know we're not going to fix it in an instance, but we want to confess it to you so that you can fix it. We thank you for it. Move in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, Go ahead and start moving. Let's get these elements.